JK Podcast is brought to you by CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Collar and Elbow was founded on the traditional values of professional wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product intended to connect with people on an emotional level. A symbiotic relationship where one cannot flourish without the other. We strive to create a product that embodies our passion for professional wrestling expressed through street fashion. Make sure to use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout and receive yourself a sweet 10% off your entire order from CollarAndElbowBrand.com. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Kerfield here on the JK Podcast. What's up, guys? Of course, powered by the Grill Position and proud part of the Roar Network. The Roar Network going strong, continuing to grow every day, even as you are listening to this, the Roar Network continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And we have some cool things kind of in the works, you know, not only you know, do we have another new show now called The Rhythm of the Ring that uh, Ryan Bowman has started over there with Mr. Michael Melkor. That's going to incorporate some of us as well. Yeah. Really looking forward to, to being a part and doing some of that kind of stuff. And, you know, branching outside of some wrestling discussion with uh, some of our guests and whatnot to, to see. Because music is, you know, I, I know for, for me, and I, I can more likely speak for yourself as well, music is a very important part of most of our lives. And, and you know, it says a lot about kind of who we are as people as well. So it's uh, you get to kind of learn a lot about somebody by the kind of music that they listen to. You 100% you can. I mean, it's everybody has their own type of music and stuff like that, that they that they like and that they enjoy listening mm-hmm. to. And I mean, I know lots of people that, you know, really prefer country music. Uh, you know, I can't do it. I can't do country music. You know, uh, jazz music, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. I can listen to a little bit, but I can't really do much. But for myself, at least... I prefer the heavy metal music. Mm-hmm. I prefer like the Slipknots and you know Disturbed. And I mean, I know Disturbed isn't you know super heavy metal, but you know Metallica and Corn and uh, Hailstorm and In This Moment and you know like all these different kind of hard rock heavy metal bands. That's what I am into, and it's very interesting to see different wrestling personalities and the type of music that influences them. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I mean, pretty much anything other than country music, you know, uh, but I'm definitely a fan of, of heavy metal and uh, harder rock. But specifically for myself, I have a real soft spot for the 80s new wave kind of stuff. So, you know, uh, to, to each their own, you know, and uh, not, not definitely not to put that anybody who likes, like, likes country music, you know, you know, there's definitely a different cup of tea for everybody. So, but uh, for me, I like, um, you know, kind of a little bit of everything. Carl likes uh, some heavier stuff. So it, it's it, it's a really cool thing. There's kind of music out there for everybody. And just like with, with wrestling, too, there's a different style and different uh, types of wrestling out there for people as well. I just want to kind of put out there, you uh, you know, you, you mentioned, and I even mentioned, you know, the heavy metal or the hard rock music is yeah. something that I, I like. Um, but I'm kind of weird with my music. Really, the only things I don't like are country and and jazz. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will listen to classical music. Yeah. I for those of you who don't really know too much about me, I am somebody who listens to country music or not country music, Christmas music mm-hmm. all year long. Oh boy. I'm that I'm that guy. He's like Mick Foley, folks. I'm that guy, right? So, yeah, I mean, music in the industry of professional wrestling is something that's 
huge. And, and, you know, getting off, on, it's getting off on into a side topic here, you know, especially in the earlier days of, of w, uh, WWF at the time, you know, the, um, you know, the connection with, uh, with music and professional wrestling. I mean, it was a big deal then, you know, you had Cindy Lauper, you had, you know, um, all kinds of different musicians, Aretha Franklin, I believe. And, and a lot of these, uh, ones that were involved, you know, as part of these wrestling shows, uh, Liberace even, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, the two very much hand in hand. Very much so they do. I mean, yeah. I mean, going all the way back to then, mm-hmm. up until now, yep. right? Music has been incorporated throughout all of it. Yeah, and with wrestlers' themes as well. A lot of times the, the music, you know, picked very carefully, really sets that tone for a wrestler's character and their persona. So, yes. Now, going on to what we're going to be mainly talking about here, TakeOver and SummerSlam just happened yes it did and once again i will say that takeover knocked it out of the park and SummerSlam, it's it seems to be very mixed feeling out there on the uh, especially on the interwebs right now with the overall feeling of how good or bad SummerSlam was it's it's that way all the time though mm-hmm. right like this is a uh constant theme i guess you could say um of you know, pay-per-view happens and we hop onto the internet and voice our opinions, whether it's good or whether it's bad. But yeah, again, we're seeing a trend here. NXT is praised and the main pay-per-view on the main brand seems to be getting a little bit of disdain. Mm-hmm. I think to kind of put it into a little bit of perspective here to give you some uh, context. Now, this isn't from this week's takeover this is actually taken from takeover new orleans but to, to kind of give you an idea of just the excitement level even just with the commentary All right, i'm gonna play a sound clip here and this is moral Ronaldo providing commentary during nxt takeover new orleans no no ec3 don't tell me don't tell me mamma mia mamma mia are you kidding me cole trying to sap the strength out of killian dane wow a Vader bomb with Cole on his back. Sullivan has feasted on his competition. Like tourists feast on boy boy sandwiches. Oh my God. Talk about turning a negative into a positive. Ricochet is the gif that keeps on giving. Oh, but Ricochet didn't miss that right hand. Popping it like a cork. Velveteen Dream. My God, a rolling Death Valley driver on the ladder. Have to go to a hardware store. And there one nearby because these ladders are being treated well like the superstars are treating each other. Dane picking up Adam Cole. My God, there are no words. The preeminent high flyer Ricochet with an avalanche neck breaker. Sullivan with a freak accident on Dane. I'm surprised he didn't go through the ring. King Kong is climbing the Empire State Building. But here comes the cavalry. Ricochet wiping out Sullivan. So there you go. Just the commentary alone. You cannot watch an NXT takeover show and get excited. Even just with, with Morrow talking. He, he just he, very reminiscent of, of Jim Ross with those really emotional moments. It gets you invested in what's going on. It really does. And I mean, like, that's something that he, 
Mauro Ronaldo is, oh my is, god he yeah like that's what he does <laughs> you know and I mean like you watch videos of him you know doing his commentary and stuff oh. like that and like he is so into it like he's he's rocking back and forth and he's moving forward and then he's all the way back talking and then you know like you can see the emotion and the expressions in his face as he's as he's doing this and mm-hmm. it's it really really makes you invested in the entire show now on the flip side when you look at the main roster commentary you a lot of times you see petty squabbling happening you have Corey graves and, and byron saxton or booker t and that kind of stuff you know where it's just uh, like it's i won't say that they're sitting on their hands but the the energy and the, the emotion the commentary isn't there that it's more kind of like picking little fights with each other kind of going on with the exception of recently renee young who for the record, did an amazing job doing commentary on Raw. She took a swing and oh. she batted it out oh. of the park. It was yeah. phenomenal that they, and it was it was a very very good choice for them to do to mm-hmm. put Renee Young in there. That was one of the smartest things that they could have done. And honestly, I hope that she in time will be seen as someone who can take that role and become a full-time commentator on the show. Now, I know that she does a lot of stuff in, in, in the back and a lot of the backstage interviews and, you know, all these different things that she does within the company, but for her to go out there to do commentary would add just a whole new dimension to the entire thing and not have all of this bickering and squabbling and even just little subtle mess ups that have, you know, happened recently in like commentary from these other guys. It's, it's getting to a point now where it's like, I'll just mute the TV and watch because one, they're messing up names of things and, and Mm -hmm. messing up names of people. And then two, you've got just the back and forth bickering that I kind of, kind of get Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they're kind of trying to do maybe, like, a Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler thing where, you know, Jerry Lawler was that color commentator. And, you know, you had, like, Jim Ross, who was that good guy there. And the two of them kind of bickering back and forth, right? I mean, even further back, you can go with, with you know, commentators like that. But it's it's not working. And I'm, like, finding myself muting the TV, well, like you said, back when we had Jim Ross and Jerry the King Laura, we had Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. That worked in that area because the personalities gelled well together. And, you know, they, yeah, they would take jabs at each other, but it was, they made it entertaining. When you have Corey Graves and Saxton, I'm sorry, you know, uh, Corey Graves, it was, it was good, but I think, like right now, it just it seems like, oh, there's not a whole lot of effort there. They, they, I don't listen to them, I just don't get invested listening to them along with the action. You know, just it, it it doesn't feel right anymore. Like you said, there are times where I'll just watch the um, I'll, I'll just watch and have it on mute. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate because the idea of that commentary is to to get the viewer, um, you know, whether it be you know, well, in this case, uh, you know, on TV, you know, to get you invested. And the, the, these newer breed commentators, at least in WWE, aren't doing it for me. Right now, they're not. You no, know, so. You know, hopefully Renee Young. You know, she's a, you know, she's a, a bright light there in kind of a dark area there. So it's a, you know, hopefully they make good use for. It. I say, 
if I had to pick specifically, you know, I would either I know I would replace uh, Saxton or coach with Renee Young at this point. Yes. So I think uh, she'd be a, a great fit on Monday Night Raw. Plus, you know, um, Ambrose is there as well, so you know they get to still kind of travel as a couple, right? So that's right. So I think that that would be a very good move, and uh, hopefully it's something that WWE will will do going forward because she was excellent. She was excellent. So now. Before we get into SummerSlam discussion here, because we're not, not going to go through and, and, and go through every match. I think that, that would just take us too long here. You know, we did our whole prediction show on the last episode, but to go through like every match would just be a little too much. Let's just, let's just start right off the bat with, with TakeOver. And, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show here, they knocked it out of the part again with, with TakeOver. They always do. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. This episode, we can sum it up just like this. NXT... Out of the park. Mm-hmm. SummerSlam. Little bit of a snore. Oh, boy. Show over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> plug the social medias. We're I done. Know, right? right? Like, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, I I don't know why either. Like, I mean, you and I were watching SummerSlam last night, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, we were kind of trying to, to figure out what is going on and what's happening to really cause the the shows to be in such a different state right now i i don't know what it is maybe you guys can hit us up on social media and kind of let us know what your thoughts are on it but i mean nxt again yeah number one top show it, it stole the weekend you know with, with, with SummerSlam, you know I'll, I'll be a little bit more direct uh, I, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. I've said it before. It's Vince. It's Vince. I bet you. I bet you Vince is talking into, you know, through production the, during the matches and telling them to slow down. Vince likes his big guys to move slowly, and I, I don't know. I, I think that that's one of the things. You know, in even with the the big matches and the week to week shows, it it just it feels like on that main roster, you know, unless it's a two hundred five live match, they're telling them to to slow that pace down. And then when you go and watch an NXT show, like you go watch Adam Cole and Ricochet or, or Dream uh, work, and it, it's just it's boom, 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 like it, it's it's nonstop. It's almost like total nonstop action, you know. Again, you know, it's you know they the excitement level is there, with with Raw and SmackDown and you know and one of the big four pay-per-views of the show of the the year. It just it feels like the pace is just so deliberate, and that's the impression I get. And it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, like you, you talk about the big guys, right? And you know that Vince wants them to kind of slow paces down and stuff like that. Yep. But then we get somebody like Alistair Black, mm-hmm. who is in NXT, who is going out there and having matches with Velveteen Dream. Going out there, he could have matches with Ricochet. He could have matches with Adam Cole. Yep. He can have matches with Killian Dane. He can have matches with uh, Oni Lorcan. Right, like all these, these some of these other bigger guys that are there, and they will move at the speed of light when they are in that ring working together. Why can't they allow that in the WWE for that to happen? That is one of the biggest issues with SummerSlam that I have, anyways, is simply the pace. Matches were good. Mm pace was crap yeah it's it's something that just it's you can you can almost see and i I think specifically with with samoa joe and aj styles that uh joe just really didn't seem it almost he almost seemed out of place 
you know, being in that match, like especially when you go and watch his previous work in Impact and, and anywhere else that he's worked. I mean, the, the guy is just—he's just—he's energetic for a big guy. Let's put it that way. And then you see him working th- this match, and it's like th- this isn't the the Samoa Joe that that we're familiar with whatsoever. No. You know, character work, yeah, absolutely. That's always kind of been his thing. But the pacing, just like uh, it, it's, I'm I'm. Uh, I'll use a Moro Renault line here. I have no words. I yeah. have no words. You know? I give I give everybody a challenge that's listening to us today or tomorrow or next week or mm-hmm. whenever you are listening to us, okay? I want you to go to YouTube and look up Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles Ring of Honor. Yep. Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles Impact Wrestling. Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles SummerSlam 2018. <laughs> Watch all three of those and tell me the difference that you see. It's it's a world of difference. World of difference. And it's unfortunate that at this point, the WWE has become so safe mm-hmm. with all of their stars. We're not just harping on on Samoa Joe and AJ Styles because still they put on a really great matchup last night. They did. But it could have been so much more had they been allowed to go out there and work like they have mm-hmm. in these other companies and in past years. And that's just the the in-ring stuff now when you get to the creative angle. You look at NXT, you know, it's very minimalized, very just, you know, they, you know, very to the point storytelling. Most of it's told with the in-ring psychology. And then you go with SummerSlam, you know, on our last episode, we spent an hour and a half coming up with all these scenarios. We had, um, you know, we had we had Ryan and, and Rick on with coming up with all of these cool scenarios and what, what interesting things could play out. And then in actuality, then WWE puts on SummerSlam. And in my personal opinion, I'm sure there'll be some of there disagree with me. It's like they went... The path of least resistance, and okay, let's we have all this creative stuff. Let's do the absolute minimum to where people won't just walk away and not watch this. Do the absolute minimum. That's what it felt like to me, creative wise. You're right, a hundred percent. It did. No. Um, like, like the yeah. When we did our our super show before SummerSlam, yeah. we gave out so many different things that could possibly happen, and there were four of us that were giving out different scenarios. Yep. And none of them even happened. Mm-hmm. And there was really like no type of swerves to anything except one thing. Becky Lynch turning heel. That's right. Which I did call ahead of time. Uh, and I think a couple other things kind of came to pass. But even that didn't play out like the way I, I kind of predicted. No. Right? No. So. I mean, they, they really didn't do anything when it came to shock factor or you know, different or anything like that. It was just, I don't know. We had, out of all the matches, we had four of them being essentially squash matches. We had two matches that ended up in disqualification. Uh, you freaking kidding me. On your, one of your big four shows of the year, you have two matches that ended by DQ? Yeah. That's weekly stuff that you do on Raw and SmackDown, not on one of your big marquee, big four shows of the year do you pull that kind of stuff. I, I had to censor myself on the fly there. Yeah, like, like I don't. Un- mm. it, it's 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 hard not to get upset, you know. I have no words. I have no words. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mauro Ronaldo. We're just <laughs> yeah. It, ah. 
you know and at the end too and with the, the Paul Heyman thing too with 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 Roman and Brock it's like they had that on the go and they're like and Vince or whoever was calling the shots they were like no nope, we're not doing it we could do this danger dangerous alliance or you know you, you even had uh, Paul basically say you know I, I want your answer or what you want to do at SummerSlam that never happened either nope. they, they did Paul was literally just at ringside and did his introduction and it was not a factor in anything at all no not at all there or was <laughs> he, he wasn't a he wasn't uh, none none yeah. of it he oh that main event <laughs> and, and this brings up uh, a bigger problem that I have too on well, this whole thing. I, I know that there's ones out here that that disagree with me on this. I hate the fact that what seems to be the norm now is that on the pay-per-views and especially the big four shows now, it's like they get storylines and things kind of starting there. And then the really cool stuff kind of happens and things come to a crescendo on the weekly shows. That shouldn't be the case where like at wrestlemania and SummerSlam and survivor series well rumble this is where all of those storylines and angles and things should be coming to a climax but they're doing the opposite now things are just starting on the big shows and then they give away all the cool stuff on the free shows week to week you're right and, and that's that's been a trend that's been happening for several years now mm-hmm. um i mean we, we kind of sat there and kind of hoped that maybe things would change a little bit but Unfortunately, it seems as though it really hasn't. Uh, we take a look, like you said, like the big four pay-per-views. This is where everything should be coming to its finalization. Yep. This is like the last match between these two guys before they're into a different storyline with someone else or into a different feud with someone else. Um Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, I don't understand this concept that they're going with. For some people, it works. For, you know, some people, it may be working because, oh, I don't have to pay for the pay-per-views or pay for the network or anything Mm -hmm. now because I'm going to know exactly what happened come, you know, the Monday after, and I'm going to get to see better stuff happen, right? But I don't know. My other beef that I have, too, and you may or may not feel the same way with me on this, this two-hour pre-show thing has to stop. Yes, it does. Oh, it's uh, they're not at the Super Bowl here doing interviews and whatnot. No. But yeah, this business of the, the two-hour pre-show, like, I didn't even show up for almost half of it. And then partway through, that, I guess it almost put me to sleep, you know. And you have, we had one championship match on, the championship match shouldn't be on the pre-show. We had, you know. The Raw Tag Team Championships, was it not? Yes. Yeah, it was. we had the Raw Tag Team Championships on, on the, the pre show. Talking about the pre show, I'm going to air a grievance right now. Yes. During a match, there is <laughs> yes. absolutely oh. no need for them to cut away and make the match into a smaller box and in a larger box have an advertisement playing for. A match on SummerSlam. You have two hours. You have three matches within that two hours. You could get through those three matches in a total of 42 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's giving a little bit extra. You could get through it in 45 minutes and still have an hour and 15 minutes for all this extra promotional stuff for matches on SummerSlam. I hope that they do not do that again because that really honestly ticked me off. 
I'm trying to enjoy this match, and then you're showing me an advertisement for something that I'm going to be seeing in 20 minutes. And really? That, and that was the funny thing, too. Like, they showed, uh, I, I believe it may have been during the Cruiserweight match. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Or it, was, uh, one, it was possibly the tag team match where they played the, the, the AJ and uh, Samoa Joe a bit. And after the match happens... They show that that promo and thing and in full again. It's like yeah. if you're going to show it later on down the road, why interrupt the match and letterbox it and put it have the match in a tiny little box and then have this promo in another tiny little box there to show something you're just going to show in five or ten minutes. Like the thought process there just is mind boggling. One hundred percent, it is. You know, like, like I, yeah, I mean, I I don't get why they did that. Like that, honestly, right <sighs> right from there from the pre-show. That already put a sour taste in my mouth going, I all the stuff like I just, you know, give us some good pro wrestling and just let again, less is more, you know, and just I can understand a two hour pre show on this kind of a basis. Okay. Yeah. So now you have, if I think three was too much, mm-hmm. but you can have two matches that are there on the pre show, right? Because you got people filing in, you got all of this yep. stuff that's happening. But why not take the time to showcase what the company is doing for the community mm-hmm. that they are in? There you go. They were in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. What did they do in Brooklyn? What did they do to help give back to the community of Brooklyn who has allowed them to come in mm-hmm. and take over for like four days, five days? And do something in their city. I there was a little bit. Yeah. There was. There was a little bit about the be a star that I saw. But why was more things like that not showcased? I know that there was uh, a slight kind of little access thing that happened. Yeah. I know that there was a breakfast with superstars. Why wasn't anything shown about that? This is your time to do that. To show these people that are out there going, oh, pro wrestling sucks. Pro wrestling is bad. Pro wrestling is, you know, it just causes all these fights at schools and stuff like this. (laughs) This is the opportunity for you to turn those people around and show them, look, we came into this community. We did this and this and this and this for these kids in the community we did breakfast with them we did autograph sessions we did you know went to four different schools and did the be a star program this that's the time to showcase that because Mm -hmm. that's going to win people over and have them go wow maybe i really do need to take a look at this summer slam then if they did all of this for the community let's see what they do yeah and like you said there uh, i caught you in a little bit of a pun there they did on saturday take over the takeover, yeah. But SummerSlam, it's once again it just um, a big show like that. Very, very disappointing overall, and just you know, and not getting into the nitpicking like Ronda Rousey coming out looking like a freaking raccoon. Okay, I mean uh, we could really, really nitpick and be mean here, but just overall, you know, yeah, I enjoy watching some wrestling, but um, I, I won't say that I get to the point where I want to walk away while watching it, but. You know, it definitely, I, there was no wow factor there for me whatsoever with SummerSlam. But with TakeOver, absolutely there was. Yeah. End of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there really isn't much more that we can say about this. I mean, we, we, we both kind of decided that we weren't going to go match by match and kind of break things down that way. We were just kind of voice our opinions and our uh, 
goods and our bads about the entire weekend, having TakeOver and SummerSlam both happening. We don't want to end things on a bad note, so how about this? We're not going to end things on a bad note. Have something cool in mind. Thankfully, we have coming up here for you guys in just a minute, a brand new interview happening with a up-and-coming indie star. And I hate using the word indie, but... It's not a bad word anymore. It really isn't. I know. It's, I know it's not a bad word, but I, I still hate using that word because, mm. I mean, he's a professional wrestler. Mm. He's not just an independent or indie professional wrestler. He is an independent professional wrestler, I think, maybe the way that I start classifying these things. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, guys, stay tuned here in just a moment. We're going to let you guys into and let you guys hear this amazing interview that we just had. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Once again, Big Joe of the JNK Podcast and Michael Jargo of the Hitting the Mercs Pro Wrestling Podcast join forces to unravel the mystery that is Roman Reigns. It's so many times where it's like, okay, let's see if we can solve this riddle, right? And we keep thinking, okay, you know, when he goes up against Undertaker, maybe that'll get him over. Nope. You know, and it's like everybody down the line, we're like, okay, you know, well, maybe this person will be able to do it. No. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, and, it's and like, we run I out of people. at it. And it's like worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Roman Reigns could end up being Triple H. Yeah. And it, it, it's not like that's a bad spot to be in. No. But you know, Triple H was always the number two. He was always the foil. He no. was never the guy. No. Well, he was okay with that. And he was fine with that. And yeah. look at where it's gotten him, for yeah. God's sake. He's a 14 time world champion. And I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe Vince or, you know, whoever the powers may be behind this whole stick with this. So I think they, they were expecting for it to be like what how Tomatonga is in, in New Japan. There's a guy that, you know, that, that does it well. You know, mind you, when he opens his mouth, it's kind of, I can't not, like, almost piss myself laughing when Tomatonga is talking. Because <laughs> his voice, like, doesn't match what he looks right. or what you think he's going to sound like, what your expectations are. And then he starts talking and it's like, you know, but uh, you know, needless to say, the, the I mean... Tomatonga versus Roman Reigns feud that oh. happened inside of the G1 might be my feud of the year. How can, and in and as WWE, yeah, I know that they're in the, he's in a different promotion. How do you not capitalize on that in some way? You know, it's like... Uh, you would have at least have Roman come out and call himself a bad boy. Yeah, like at least do something. Uh, I have such now a you just look like a. I have such a love hate with wrestling. Sometimes it's like there's times where like I I love it so much, and then when I get to the WWE stuff, you know, especially the main roster crap, and it's just like it's it's like they're trying to to fail sometimes. What's up, guys? This is the standard Dusty Gold here. We are going to set the standard in Canada, in the U.S., all over the world. Let's do this together. Let's raise the bar, set it high, crush that goal. You're listening to the J&K Podcast. Stay tuned.
right, guys. Big Joe and Carl here back on the JK podcast. And as we mentioned earlier, we have something special in mind here today, Carl. We do. You know what? We've gone through and we have done several different interviews over the years that we have been doing internet radio and podcasting. But today, you guys know that we have a very special guest, friend of ours, Dusty Gold, here with us today in another interview that we've got going on. Absolutely. What is going on? What's up, guys? So... How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? I got in the business just solely because when I was a kid, I watched it with my uncle all the time. Attitude Air, loving that stuff, Mm -hmm. Stone Cold, The Rock, all the good stuff, Um, and just fell in love with it, and I just knew growing up that that's what I wanted to do. So uh, when time came, uh, I was very small in school, actually. I was only 5 foot 98 pounds, so I was a very little guy, so I was like... Yeah, I was like, uh, well, maybe I'll do like Ray Mysterio and do some flips and stuff. So I taught myself some flips. Uh, and then finally after school, about eight years after uh, after high school, I uh, put on some size and grew. And then I, I knew I was ready, so I found an academy um, that was local. And I'm actually one of the only gradu- graduates from that academy um, before it shut down. Wow. So, what was that place called? Arkansas Championship Wrestling. Arkansas Championship Wrestling, nice. Yeah, we haven't uh, talked to anybody from down that way as a, as a wrestler, so it's interesting to see. Now, what, what's the the training process like there? How do they go about it? Uh, well, they take you through the ringer, obviously. Uh, my trainer, his name was Daniel Flynn. Uh, he was trained by Harley Race and the Hearts. Nice. And uh, so he used a lot of that training that he learned over the years and incorporated it in our training. So... Um, very, very tough physically. I was glad I was physically fit forever trying because we had a lot of people just gas out and quit because they couldn't handle how tough it is. So, see, I heard the Hart family in there. It always seems like no matter when it comes to wrestling discussions here, Carl, like, in, in some way or another, where it's by different degrees of separation here, Canada always seems to come up, whether it's indirectly or directly somehow, right? It definitely is. I mean, no matter who we've talked to, who we've had any type of interview with, Canada always seems to come up, so it's 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 amazing. And for some reason, the hearts always well, seem to come up. Canada, I mean, you have tons of athletes in, in the professional wrestling business that are amazing, and they all came from Canada. I mean, you're right. There are a ton of talent that has come from Canada, going all the way back years ago in in you know, WWWF days all the way coming up and through to today, which is just amazing for us to see. So I just want to kind of give everybody a little bit of a quick background here on the standard Dusty Gold. Now, for those of you who, who might not know who he is, you need to go and check him out. Check out some stuff that he's done on YouTube. There are different uh, companies that he's worked for and... Recently, we found out that two of those companies are no longer in existence, but we have got some amazing, notable stuff happening with Dusty Gold and at least these two companies right now. We've got the IZW. He was the last Impact Division champion, and he had won that back in September of 2017. 
Now, unfortunately, Impact Zone Wrestling had shut down, but he was the last champion for that. So I guess technically he still holds that belt for about 330 days right now. Another company that he had worked for was the North Texas Wrestling Alliance. As well with that company, he was the Texas champion and the last holder of that championship as well. And we're looking over 330 days for that. But we come to today. And today, he is the current UWE U.S. champion since April of 2018. That's the United Wrestling Entertainment. We are looking 114 days. The the standard Dusty Gold has held the United States Championship. That is an amazing feat. Now, I keep talking and keep saying the standard Dusty Gold. Mm -hmm. My question for you right now is the moniker of the standard. Where did that come from? Was that something you did or was that something that a promoter or a fan or something like that had given to you? Um, the standard actually came from me. Well, you know, I was a big fan of like Shelton Mentor, but he's the gold standard. and Everyone kept wanting to call me the gold standard. Naturally, that's what they were calling me. And uh, I was like, no, I'm the standard, not the gold standard. I'm Dusty Gold, so I don't need gold in my name. Yep. I already set the standard as it is. So that's where that came from. I just I felt like going into a lot of locker rooms, I was usually one of the better in shape, always hitting the gym harder. Not saying that the guys weren't hitting the gym. It's just I had the physique. And so I decided I was like, well, here I am. I want to set a standard for the fans to enjoy my matches. And I want to set a standard for the locker room to push themselves harder to do better so we can put on better matches. So I just fit naturally the standard Dusty Gold just fit really well together. That's one thing I've noticed watching your work and watching your matches is that you definitely use your physique to your advantage and that you know it's incorporated into your style. So that's uh, you know something that I've noticed right off the bat. And, you know, and you mentioned you know Shelton Benjamin and having the word Dusty in there. Those are bad, not bad names to be associated with by any means. Those are two very good uh, things to be associated with. So uh, absolutely. Now. My uh, main question that, that I want to put out here, and uh, this kind of actually ties into what we've talked previously on uh, today's episode, Simmer Slam just happened last night. Now, I found myself, you know, I wasn't really a huge fan of how it uh, kind of played out, but um, what I'm kind of getting at is here that I, I find, you know, since we've started doing a podcast and you know, having some inside knowledge and whatnot, that I, I find it increasingly more difficult to sit down and just enjoy a match without kind of nitpicking and kind of analyzing it and whatnot. Since you've actually become a wrestler yourself, are you able to kind of just detach yourself from that and just sit down and watch like WWE or Ring of Honor or what have you? Are you able to just sit down and and be a fan? Or do you find yourself like me, like kind of picking over the matches? I mean, I can sit down and especially... talent's really good and they're they're putting on a great match i'll acknowledge that Mm -hmm. but i can also i can tell when you know there's a botch or like i'm able to nitpick like you were saying at stuff or i'll put my own emphasis on it like i would have done this here or this kind of thing stuff like that so right so yeah i mean that means especially with the the wwe and we've (laughs) <laughs> covered it many times that uh you know it feels like uh it's so hard to just sit down and kind of enjoy a match so you know 
uh, hopefully that's uh, something, you know, being in the business that you're not, it doesn't take away from your experience of still being able to sit down and be a fan and enjoy some uh, some good wrestling. I'm still a fan of it. And yeah. I love the business, what I fell in love with to begin with. Um, even as I, I could kind of, I nicked a little bit myself. So, but still, I still love the business. I just, I just can tell more about what's going on even, even better than I'm in it. Yeah, and definitely, exactly, right? I mean, once you're able to uh, get into the ring and kind of do some training and become a professional wrestler, uh, you you really have more of a, I don't know what you would call it, you have more of an appreciation for what is actually happening and what's going on. I mean, a lot of people will, will watch as a fan and kind of go, oh, that didn't look like it, you know, kind of worked out or whatever, but... You know, in the back of your head, you're going, man, that was really good because, holy crap, they just, like, totally came right around with that and turned that botch into something that was okay. And now, you know, you, you have more of an appreciation for it, which really, in, in the end, I think helps out for, for somebody like myself, at least, anyways. So being a fan and having a little bit of that inside knowledge it kind of kind of works in a, in a better favor for me that I I personally like. So, mm-hmm. now with, with you being um, an independent wrestler, and right now with independent wrestling, you know, really kind of standing out, uh, even sometimes even more so than, than WWE, you know, and are you becoming kind of more popular? You know, with all in kind of happening these big super kind of indie shows, have you noticed that you know? with social media because that's a very powerful thing in uh, independent wrestling that, that have you noticed the, uh, the impact and uh, just the, the ability to get your name out there more with social media? I, I have uh, greatly uh, noticed a difference. Um, and you, like you're saying, it is getting more popular. So more people are going to these local shows and supporting local indie wrestling. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are enjoying it a lot more, even more so than to watch WWE or, you know, some of these other televised ones, they're enjoying it a lot more. Some are more organic. Some guys can, because we, we're trying to get our names out there, so we'll, we'll throw a lot out there on the line. But some of us wrestle really smart and don't throw it all out there on one match. And you can kind of keep them coming back one more. And I've, my fan base has grown tremendously high. You're getting phone uh, calls get booked right now as we're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, like you had mentioned, kind of uh, organic gro- growth in the business and independent wrestling. Whereas you, you take a look, you know, and you know we harp on Roman Reigns and stuff, and you see, you know, the other aspect of it of where they're taking somebody, you know, who maybe necessarily did, maybe even didn't want to be a star in the first place, and you know, forcing us to, you know, then they're fabricating these stars. Whereas we're seeing on the independent scene that people like yourselves are growing organically and using social media to get yourself out there and uh, to become popular and to get liked that way instead of forcing. That's that. That's what I'm I mean, really starting to notice. Social media. I mean, it helped me get out to Oregon. I mean, it helped me just be able to branch out more than what I was doing on these really local shows that were like drivable distance that don't pay very much. And so it, and me posting all my stuff was allowing me to actually get out there. And then more people started seeing it. And it's all about what you you tag and you hashtag or whatever. Like on Instagram, it, more people see it. Uh, and then it just drew more people in and they were more intrigued and then seeing some of the matches live they were a standard I've never had one person tell me that one of my matches looked fake 
which is the one thing mm. that we hate in this business to be told is our <laughs> stuff is fake. That is a very, very, very touchy word, you know, with, you know, dedicated wrestling fans and casual wrestling fans alike. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It's one of those words that, uh, you know, that's, that's the swear word in, in the business is, you know, a lot of people have, have, when I was, when I was doing a lot of people would, would use the word fake with me. Right. And I, I would keep my cool and I would be all right with them. And, and I would say, you know what? Like maybe try saying it's predetermined instead of saying it's yeah. fake, because there's no way that I can fake falling off a ladder onto the floor. There's <laughs> no way that's fakeable, but let's say it's the predetermined. Be- the best way to, I describe it to people. I'm like, if I, if I'm going to hit you in the face right now, would it be fake? And they're like, no, I was like, if I tell you, I'm going to hit you in the face and I hit you in the face, is it fake? like well no i was like well then that's it if you're not prepared for it, it's gonna hurt isn't it oh yeah i guess that makes sense it still hurts so I was like nothing we do yeah nothing we do is fake you can maybe it, pre- everything we do you can uh, maybe prepare for it a bit more when you know what's coming but i mean yeah. you're still taking a hit right <laughs> there's no arguing that statement right so <laughs> so now kind of going along with the with the social media aspect of things um you know, a lot of other interviewers, they'll ask about like, oh, what are your long-term aspirations and blah, blah, blah. We all know the long-term aspiration is to make it one day to the WWE and win that championship belt. We know that. But what we want to know is what are your short-term aspirations and what non-WWE larger company are you most hoping to be able to get your foot into? Um, I would have to say Japan. I've always been intrigued with Japan and, and always wanted to go re- wrestle there. That's something I do want to do. It's one of the goals uh, for me, um, even before WWE. I want to go to Japan and wrestle for a while uh, in New Pro Japan or one of them, J- it, just in Japan in some sort. I want to travel internationally and wrestle. That's the main goal. doesn't necessarily have to be through WWE. Just want to get out there. New Japan is a great place because, uh, you know, names like Finn Balor and whatnot, uh, just to throw one name out there, you know, Kenny Omega. Um, you know, one thing there, too, I think that you can really kind of build, uh, not as, as, a, as a wrestler, but as a character, you know, given that the oh, we talked about it before with the, the Japan fans are very appreciative of, of, you know, guys like yourself coming over and putting on a good wrestling show, you know, you know, regardless of whether they're from Japan or not over there, they, they really appreciate just good professional wrestling. And, uh, it's a very good spot for somebody like yourself to really grow and, you know, definitely make a name for yourself. Absolutely. Japan is an excellent place. It definitely is. I mean, you, I, I myself personally go to my friend, uh, Jazzy, uh, Jesse Gaber or the alpha female. That's essentially what she did as well. I mean, I know that she's over in Europe, right? But she kind of did her travels all across, you know, Europe and then into Asia and then, you know, like all of these different places. And she's worked in Japan and she's worked in Germany and she's worked in, uh, you know, Switzerland. She's worked in, you know, England and in all these different things. And because of all her travels, she was then able to get noticed and become last year part of the May Young Classic, and you know, and, and and for her, things have skyrocketed and boosted from there for her. So that's an amazing aspiration to have is to go over there. And I mean, that's 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 not one that we really hear a lot, right? We hear a lot of like, uh, oh, we want to go to Ring of Honor, or you know, like, oh, TNA is right there. We'll just do, you know. But uh, to hear somebody say, 
I want to go over to Japan. Yes. Yeah, that gives me that gives me uh, high hopes for for what you want to do and where you're gonna go. So. I, I want to travel all over and learn all different styles, so I can grow and be become a better performer and become a better wrestler. Um, it's, I mean, that's the goal. It's to be the best. So to be the best, you need to learn all styles, be able to wrestle with anyone and everyone, uh, no matter what. So, uh, and that's the ultimate goal. Uh, I, w- I will give you a piece of advice because when I first uh, kind of saw I was watching a, a Facebook Live that you were doing, and you, you know you had expressed some interest to, to come and wrestle here in Canada. Uh, I will say is that it, depending on the time of year that you come here, make sure that you are not packing light. Make sure that you pack to be ready for winter time, sir, because it gets brutally cold up here in Canada <laughs> in the winter time. Because we had, I'll have to keep that in mind. Because <laughs> we had, um, you know, another independent wrestler like yourself, Chase Breden, who came up here not so much prepared, and uh, it was quite the story of uh, you know having to you know buy some clothing on the go and drinking lots of coffee to stay warm. So. <laughs> All right, so I think a, a good way to kind of uh, wrap things up here is just let us know, give you a chance to plug all your social media and where fans can go and watch you next and what you're currently up to. Okay, social media on uh, Instagram, it's going to be the standard underscore Dusty Gold. On Facebook, it's just under Dusty Gold. You'll see me in gold. I mean, wearing my shades, doing what I do. Uh, on Twitter, it is... Dusty underscore gold, I believe, 2016. That's that's one I don't usually get on, like I was saying. But yeah. um, if you find me on Twitter, go ahead and follow me. More the merrier, and I will retweet a lot of stuff. But the ideal, I'm usually on Facebook or Instagram majority of the time. I do take fan mail. I do talk to everybody. Uh, and the next place you can see me will actually be in Native American Wrestling in Chewy, Oklahoma, where I will get a rematch for the heavyweight championship to try to win it a third time. And when is that? Uh, that will be uh, second Saturday of the month. So let's see, the eighth of uh, September. September. You're gonna the be eighth da- of September. You're gonna be down. And they in, can uh... find me. They can find me defending my U.S. championship on the 21st uh 22nd sorry 22nd of september in uh tahlequah oklahoma you're gonna be down in good old jim ross territory there sir uh yes (laughs) that's interesting all right cool all right uh well it was a pleasure having you on and and good luck and uh you know we'll definitely be uh be keeping in touch and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you it was a pleasure talking to you guys i look forward to hopefully coming up to canada and getting some new fans up in canada like I said, make sure and pack warm. Don't travel yes. late because you're going to be glad you did. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was a good way to wrap things up here, Carl. And uh, let us know all about our social media and where everybody can find us. Definitely. For us with our social media, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, and we are on the Twitter machine as well. You can find all of it by searching out at JK Podcasts. Yes, we needed to include the S in there because somebody else had JK Podcast. But you can find us on all three of those social medias at JK Podcasts. Yes, and for listening to the episode, you can, of course, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Google's podcasting app, Podbean, and those other podcasters, and, of course, on thegorillaposition.com as part of the Roar Network. Always. All right, we will see you guys on the next one. Ciao. (laughs) 
This is Ryan Bowman, editor in chief of the GorillaPosition.com, and you're listening to the J and K podcast. Mm-hmm. 